Let's say it. I'm a believing believer. And I want you to do tonight is open up your Bible and your notebook. And I want to deal specifically with these three dimensions we began to talk about Sunday morning. The Bible says that he who has ears to hear, let him what? Let him hear. That tells us that there are some people that have ears to hear and some people that don't have ears to hear. And we're not talking about the little paddles that God gave you on the side of your head. We're talking about a spiritual ear. Another translation says, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. So when it comes to being that believing believer, we have found out that you have to do certain things. One is hear, say it with me, hear. The next one is believe. And the third one is what? Do. But how many of you figured out you're not going to do anything you don't believe? It's just the way it is. In fact, we can really tell what we believe by what we do. But before we get to the place where we're actually doing, and of course believing before that, there's a thing that precedes that, and that's a thing called hearing. And if you've been in this church, I'll say uh, one Sunday, you've heard this scripture mentioned. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So believing God comes from hearing. So if we're not really hearing when the word goes forth, and not sounds, and not sermons, and not messages, and my, wasn't that a lovely sermon and a great time, and wasn't the church full, or, or wasn't the music great, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about you're here under the word, and you can actually hear spiritually what's going on. It's impossible to truly believe if we have not heard. There is no way we're going to do that. So... Often, not always, but often the, the culprit here is not that uh, we're not necessarily ready to do or believe, it's that we have not heard. We cannot believe what we have not heard. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The other dimension is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. 2 Corinthians 4, 2. This is what Paul uh, was saying regarding the handling of the Word of God, and this is the focus tonight. It's a simple message that, that goes with believing believer, the, the hearing part of that message. Unfiltered hearing the Word of God tonight without distortion. Say that with me, hearing the Word without distortion. You know, you're hearing the Word right now, but how many know this is not the only voice out there? This is not the only influence out there. There are lots of things that are trying to cause distortion in your spiritual ear so that you cannot receive what you need to receive. And if you're getting anything but the pure, unadulterated Word of God going in, you're not going to have the belief that's capable of actually translating that into doing, which means whether it uh, pertains to spiritual, you know, supernatural increase or some other growth area in your life, it's not going to happen. It's not mix the Word of God with what they think. It's not mix the Word of God with some philosophy. It's not mix the Word of God with a little bit of religion here. No, it's the pure Word of God that will cause you to believe. So we'll never get around to doing if we've been listening to a word that is perverted or chopped up or somehow manipulated or, or compromised. That's where the phrase, the uncompromised Word of God comes from. Nothing but what? Nothing but the Word of God. That's got to be the foundation of everything we do as children of God. This verse says, rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, 
This is what he says. By setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. So he says, we don't go around distorting the word. What we do is set forth the word of God plainly. And there are some people that are in the, in the ministry and they look for things between the lines. They look to be original. They look to be cute and, and somehow say something nobody else has ever said. If you find something nobody else has ever said before, you're probably an error. And when the body of Christ starts keeping the lines, then look between the lines. Let's focus on what it actually says, the plain teaching of the, of the scripture. For example, the Bible says, you know what? Um, if you have, if uh, you have bought with your brother, you go to them. And our job when we're in some kind of strife or issue with somebody else is to walk in a thing called mercy or forgiveness. Say it will be forgiveness. Uh, that's not hard to understand. Jesus made it very plain. If you won't forgive, then you won't be what? Forgiven. That's not, that's not complicated. Don't look for the hidden lines above and below. Just keep that part of it. And your life will be so successful and so victorious. So what we want to do is, is set it forth plainly. And don't distort the word. Nor allow anything to come in to distort or cause the word to be filtered in our lives. So that it's watered down of its power and its influence. Distortion, write this down. It's an interesting word. It means a change, a twist, or an exaggeration that makes something appear different from the way it really is. And of course, tonight we're talking about the Word of God. So again, a distortion is a change, a twist, or an exaggeration that makes something appear different from the way it really is. It means it doesn't completely represent the facts or reality. You can call it false, twisted, or deformed, or misshapen. It's the act of twisting or altering something out of its true, natural, or original state. Now write this word wicked down. If any of you have ever owned wicker furniture, that's where that concept comes from. It means to twist, to distort. So by the time the word of God goes into this you know, humanistic filter of some kind, it comes out twisted. It comes out different than how it originally was. And most of men's doctrines will do that. Church dogma will do that. Traditions will do that. We'll talk about so many things that actually distort the word of God. But if it goes through that filter and you don't, you know, you're not, uh, you know, really on the ball and you allow that filter in your life, on the other side is not going to be the pure incorruptible sea. It's going to be a compromised word in your life. And compromised word does not produce the kinds of results the Bible promises. The incorruptible seed that has not been doctored, it's not been manipulated, it's not been distorted. Um, what's, uh, what, what does GMO mean in terms of nutrition? Anybody? Genetically what? Modified. It was intentional to modify the structure, the genetics of that particular crop, often case to get a better yield or whatever. And there are always unintended consequences with GMOs. The, the reality is a lot of people live this way with the seed of the word of God. It's being modified. And on the other side, it's not going to have the full potency that it would have if you just accept it the way it is. Uh, hear it, believe it, accept it, and walk on and do what the Word of God says. So distortion is something you've got to be aware of because I don't see distortion uh, minimized right now or declining. I see distortion at all-time high. Everywhere you go. And it's not just out in the world. I expect CNN to distort the word. I expect politicians to distort the word. But I don't expect people in the pulpit to do so. 
And I'm not saying we have to agree on every little pet doctrine. We believe things in this church that are precious to us. I don't expect, for example, all evangelicals to believe the same way we do about the things of the Holy Spirit or the things of prosperity or the things of deliverance or whatever it is. But I do expect them to be honest with the plain teachings of Scripture. And when you come before a congregation, you tell people the Word of God is not infallible. It's not inerrant. And we'll pick out in certain portions we believe are true. Be careful with that we, capital to we, who are you to sit in judgment over the word of God? What have they done? They have modified, they have distorted the word of God. And listen, if you sit under teaching that is modified and distorted, your faith will be modified and distorted, your results will be modified and distorted. And I, I just shudder to think about the, the consequence of, of churches and ministers doing this and people listening to that stuff. So I'll say again, that's not, you don't have to be concerned about that here at any level. We're going to teach the uncompromised word from little babies on up through life. But you know, that's just not the way it is everywhere. And you have to be aware of that. Amen. So it's not about everybody, you know, having the same exact agenda and everybody having the same exact, you know, portfolio in terms of things God wants them to emphasize. There's a reason why there are different churches and different ministries in a location. God is doing something. God is putting his hand there. But I'm talking about people that are throwing the word of God out, the authority of the word of God out because they have a better idea. Modified. Amen. Look at somebody and say, if somebody modifies the word, Run. But we always went there. I went there, and Grandma went there, and Great-Grandpa went there. I'm not going to hell for Great-Grandpa. I'm not going to allow the word about him to compromise because I have a relational, historical family tie to an institution. Your devotion should be the one that died for you. Your devotion should be the one that has saved you, and he redeemed you and shed his blood for you, not some structure somewhere. Amen. Can I have a better amen? I know it's soggy outside, but can I have a better amen than that? Your devotion should be to the one who saved you and to his word. You should no more let the word of God be modified than Jesus' body himself be modified. What you going to do? Cut off a hand here over here? What you going to do? Slice off a finger of him over here? What you going to do? Rip out his heart or rip out a lung and go modify the body of Christ? I hope not. Think about it. How dare you go around trying to cut off pieces of Jesus? When you do that to the Word, guess what you're doing? It takes on a whole new nuance, doesn't it? What would you call that? I call that abuse. Now, he took it the first time that you and I would be set free. He bore those stripes so we'd be saved and healed and delivered. It ain't going to happen again. Nobody's going to be beating up on him again. As Mr. T used to say, I pity the poor fool. He's not coming back on a donkey. He's not coming back subject to crown of thorns. He's not coming back subject to spikes. He's not coming back subject to spears. He's not coming back, you know, subject to people pulling his hair. It ain't going to happen. Those days are over. Sacrifice has been accepted. You and I are saved. How dare somebody think they can do that to him all over again and at the same time claim him as Lord and Savior? This message has been brought to you by Hope Harbor Church. And we approve of this message. Amen. I mean, how dare somebody think like that? Genetically modified. Amen. In this case, humanistically modified. God help us. 
Listen to the words in Deuteronomy 28. Turn there if you want to or scroll there. I want to emphasize to you tonight just how important it is to have your hearing working in your life. If you can't hear, you cannot excel in the things of God. And there is no, no blanket you know, norm where everybody is going to hear at the same level. You have to make up your mind that as far as you're concerned, if there's only one person that hears tonight, you're going to be that person. Say it with me, it's me. Say it, I'm a hearer. I mean, how crazy is it to sit in church day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, decade after decade, and not hear? And that explains why a lot of people, decade after decade after decade, they really are not on a growth curve, because you have to hear. Deuteronomy 28 introduces the blessing that God has for his people, and it says, and it shall come to pass. Aren't you glad for that? Let me say it again. It shall come to pass, which means there's some good things coming to pass in your life. It shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, his word, to observe and to do all his commandments which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee high above all nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come on thee, and overtake thee if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Everybody say hearken. It's a great word in the King James Version. It means to listen and obey. But how can you obey if you what? If you don't listen. If you don't listen, you don't know what to obey. So hearken, this concept of listening and obeying always to get to, goes together. It means to listen and then act upon, to give heed to what is uttered. Hearken is first listening to God. That's the first skill. We've got to first listen to God and then do all that he has said. It starts with listening with respect and honor for the one speaking. And in the Pentateuch, that's not Moses speaking. Who's speaking? God is speaking. In the Proverbs, that's not Solomon talking. Who is that? In the Epistles, that's not Paul talking. Who is that? In the Gospels, where Luke is recording what Jesus said, who's talking? We're talking about God being behind the supernatural utterance that we call the Word of God. So what does this tell us? It tells us that uh, it all shuts down if we don't have listening ears. We're done. I've often wondered how somebody can sit in church 50 years and not be transformed. This is why. This is it. Not bad people. As I said before, if you've experienced the new birth, you're a believer, you're going to heaven. But that doesn't make you a believing believer. You could sit there for 60, 70, 80, 100 years of Jesus' tears and never grow because that new birth never went to the next level, listening and being a disciple, a self-disciplined learner of the Lord Jesus Christ. And right now in this country, we have a crisis going on where our people across the board, and I'm talking about the big C, capital C church throughout America, ignorant of basic doctrines. Ignorant of there's a virgin birth. Ignorant of the reality of the Trinity. Ignorant of things like how do you get saved? Ignorant of any knowledge of the Word of God. The average Christian today doesn't even pick up the Bible at all. Look at somebody and say, I'm not average. I'm above average. <laughs> well, what does that say? I mean, all right, right now you could be listening or you're like, you know, it could be in La La Land, you could be surfing the web because I realize that we do have, you know, wireless here. How am I supposed to know? 
Amen. That's not something that I even want to know. You could be doing all kinds of things right now. But you know something? One word from God can change your life forever. And that one word could come in a setting just like this, but the problem was you weren't dialed in. What do I do? What do I do? You cry. What do I do? What do I, do? I need wisdom. I need wisdom. And all of a sudden, here comes not just what a preacher or teacher is saying, but by the Holy Ghost, he quickens something to you at that moment. The, the pastor may say something, but then the Spirit of God will take it another notch further. And that's the word that would have changed your life, but it never would have come had the first utterance not come first, and you missed it. And you walked out, not because you're a bad person, not because God doesn't love you, not because you didn't have great things in store for you, not because you're not going to heaven, but because you didn't have the discipline of hearing. I've often walked out of sessions like this, and, and typically it's Wednesday night, because how many understand that utterance is affected by the attenders, and utterance is affected by the hearers? We can go in the Spirit and in the Word only as far as the people will actually receive it. There's a reason that sometimes Sunday mornings seem less maybe intense or deep as Wednesday nights, and we try to always feed people. That's not the point. But how many understand you've been in this long enough to know that a Sunday morning crowd includes a lot of diversity? Non-born-again people, born-again people for a week, people that are religious, people that stumbled in here, people that mom and them may come. <laughs> on fire, people of God, people in the Word for 20, 30 years. On, you know what I'm saying to you? And God endeavors to minister to them. But when you're a setting typically like this, you, uh, you, know, you survived the great tsunami of 2021 to be here tonight. Um, it must be important to you. Hallelujah. It must be something that's of, of value to you. And what a shame it would be not to actually have the hearing ear that God has for you. But there's, there's no guarantee just because somebody sits in an American church that they've learned the skill of hearing. I learned this uh, in a very pronounced way in my, in my own situation, my own life. But, um, in 95 or so, we had um, left to bury my grandmother. You remember her? I'm going to die. She did. And uh, we were up in uh, Livingston, Illinois, and then later that week, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, there was a, 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 a victory uh, campaign in Chattanooga, Tennessee. It was a great meeting, one of the best I've ever been to. And Brother Copeland was talking about the anointing that particular night, and uh, he, he ministered probably 45 minutes to an hour before it really even kicked in. And I didn't drive all the way from Livingston, Illinois, down to Chattanooga, you know, the check out after 30 minutes. I'm preaching better than y'all are looking at me right now. In other words, I came there because I wanted to hear from God. One of the things that we were in the midst of ourselves was whether we were going to make the transition from Hopkinsville to here. So you understand it was important for us to do what? Hear. Hear from God. And so he explained the anointing like I'd never heard explained before. And about 45, 50, you know, hour end, all of a sudden, just everything he said was prophetic. The only other time I had this experience is when I was called to preach in about 1984, 85. I was in Houston, Texas. R.W. Shamrock was preaching at Brother Osteen's you know, Thanksgiving meeting. He's running back and forth on the platform, and he's a preaching, he's a teaching. And the Spirit of God began to talk to me very clearly that everything I had planned, he had a little bit different uh, you know, focus for me. And it seemed like everybody in that Houston Coliseum, everybody just disappeared. It was just me and Shambach and the Holy Ghost. How I many you know it's not a bad thing? No, no. And who are we exalting? We're exalting the Spirit of God. 
We're exalting the true teacher of the church showed up that night to say, here's the truth. Here's what I've called you to do. Here's where you're headed. It was life changing. I can remember that day like it was yesterday. I can remember what the place looked like. It was all on the speaker's, you know, schedule, everything, and the people we didn't get to hear. But that night, it was everything. So he's one of my heroes for sure. Everybody say, God bless. God bless. The Shambach family. And uh, the other time that happened was in that Chattanooga meeting where just seen people just disappeared. And he was just speaking one thing after another, one thing after another, one thing after another. And I'll tell you why. Because I wasn't there just putting time in or being religious. You see what I'm saying to you? I wanted to hear. And I always want to be like that. It's the same thing when you go all week long to a believer's convention in Fort Worth. Nobody, no, and a lot of people will actually take their vacation time and go to that meeting and sit under the Word of God, you know, six, seven, eight hours a day, and then somebody will ask them, you mean to tell me you took your vacation to go, go to church for how many hours? They can't comprehend that because they don't understand the value in that person's heart for hearing. And people that do it today... You walk around the halls of this church, you're not going to hear Rodney listening to rap music. <laughs> Just try it sometime. Uh, Keith Moore, Bill Winston, am I right about it? Uh, what's that all about? Nobody listens to preaching just because they're religious. Why would somebody be listening to that when they don't have to? Because there's a hearing ear. Say it with me, I have a hearing ear. You can see that the hearing ear and the hungry heart go together. Amen? They that hunger and thirst for righteousness, what will happen? They'll be filled. So that's the dynamic I want to get across to you, that we can say, yep, believing believers will hear, and believing believers will believe, and believing believers will do. We're never going to get to the do if we don't have the belief. We're never going to get to the believe if we don't have a hearing ear. Say it with me, I have a hearing ear. And nobody can discipline yourself but you. I mean, when I was raised in a Lutheran church, we didn't have children's church, harbor kids, nursery, nothing like that. I remember, like it was yesterday, we said about, you know, uh, midway to, to two-thirds back on the left base seats in Heron, Illinois, and there we were like little ducks, all four of us kids. And guess what happened if anybody acted up? There was nobody back then said, oh, don't spank him, he's so cute. Back in them days, if a child acted up, everybody was pulling for you, spank him. You brought them back into the service, and they were, had, their eyes were all teary, you know, and all red from crying. They, they practically get applause from everybody around them. That's the way it was. Today, you messed them up for life. <laughs> but, you know, just because somebody's physically there doesn't mean they heard anything. I can't speak to anybody else's experience, but I don't remember hearing many things. You want to know why? Because I wasn't there to hear. I was there to check off the box just like everybody else. But one day something changed in my life and I actually wanted to start hearing. I came here to college. I was looking for discipleship, looking to grow. And 
I remember, you know, if I was all home on the weekend on a Sunday morning, I'd race back to get into the evening service so I could sit under the Word. I was excited. Back then, we'd have college on one night, and we had church on another, and guess what I'd be? I'd be in both of them. Why? Because there, there was a hunger there, and because that was there, there was a real hearing. You want to radically change your life this year, not just be born again, but go to new levels in Him. You, you get and protect that hearing ear with all of your heart, no matter what anybody else does. Say it with me, no matter what anybody else does. I'm going to hear. Can you see how different it is when you go to church to hear versus going to be? Going to sit? I'm going to say it one more time. One word from God. One word. And change your life forever. I've seen it happen. Amen. Hallelujah. And that's not it. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Sounds like a revelation alert. Amen. Revelation. Revelation. Look at the scripture in Acts 16 14. Let's turn there with you and look at a couple things. Glory to God, saying, I'm a hearer. We often say, be doers of the word, not hearers only. Well, guess what? If you're not a hearer, you'll never be a doer. That's a total different dimension. Acts chapter 16. Verse 11, from Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samphathrace, and the next day on to Neapolis. From there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony, and the leading city in that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to what? Speak. Now watch this. They began to what? Speak. And how many can discern they were not there to talk about the weather? They weren't there to talk about the flowers. They began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira. Now, that commentary there about being, you know, a, a cloth dealer, a purple cloth dealer, means this woman was very wealthy. Very successful businesswoman, and yet what did she want more than that? The truth, the word, redemption. She was hungry for the things of God. And watch this. It says, who was a worshiper of God. What does that tell us? She was adhering to Judaism. She was adhering to the faith of, of our fathers. We understand that she was not just out there in some pagan world, which a lot of them were, but she was a worshiper of God. Now, how many understand just being a worshiper of God doesn't mean that you're going to get much out of a message? You need to be a worshiper of God. But watch this. One of the women gather, and I, it's, it's interesting that she, this, this woman's pointed out. What about the rest of them? It says women, plural. Church members, plural. Wednesday night attenders, plural. It says that a worshiper of God, the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. Watch this. She was listening, and then her heart was opened. She was listening, and then her heart was opened. 
She was listening, and now she's getting the rest of the picture. Now you might say she was listening, and revelation started to come. Listen, if you need help with a relationship, or financially, or physically, whatever it is, how many understand that your heart's going to be opened by what? Listening. By listening to what's going forth. And that's why it's a good idea not just to come to church and listen, but be listening when? Listening when you open up the Word of God. Listening when you're listening to something that's online, that's faith building, it's going to teach you correctly. And if you're wondering who you could invest in in terms of exposing yourself to that's not going to contradict the Word of God in your life, we can tell you and point you in a direction. We've never had a day when so many good Word ministries were online and don't charge you a penny. It wasn't very long ago you'd spend thousands of dollars to have what's online right now. And if you really want to hear, you start taking advantage of stuff like that. And if you wonder if somebody's going to taint your faith or build your faith, all you have to do is just shoot us a text, shoot us an email. We'll point you in the right direction. Right now, I think Tyler probably has, I don't know, a thousand hours worth of stuff on our own website. I don't know how many hours you're on there. Uh, you know, we did, I don't know, 40-something parts of Triumph alone. If you're not feeling very triumphant, go back and listen to them again. <laughs> you will be when you get done. This is ministering to you on supernatural increase. There's just, I don't know, 27, 28 of them. And that's just our website. But there are other things out there that are very complimentary that will encourage you in different areas of your faith. And if you listen, it's going to take you to an entirely new level. We live in a blessed day. Mom said, I am most blessed. Say it again, I am most blessed. Say, I'm so blessed. Even the blessed call me blessed. That's pretty blessed. Amen. What was she doing? Listening. What did God do in response? Opened her heart. How many like to have your heart open to everything God has for you? Raise your hand up high if you'd like to have everything God has for you. Are your heart open to it? The key is what? Listening. If we can't listen, we're done. We're never going to believe and we're never going to do. It's when we truly listen that God can then open up our hearts. He can't open the heart without a hearing ear. Once again, one word from God can change your life forever. I've seen it happen in my own life. Problem is, and here's the kicker, we don't live in a sound vacuum. We don't live in a sound bubble. This is not the only thing you could be listening to in this world. The problem is there are all kinds of distortions out there trying to filter out and obstruct the Word of God in your life. That's why Isaiah 20, 21 is so important. You'll hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. But it's not the only voice out there. So listening involves having your ears open, but then by discipline, focusing on that voice that is the voice of the Word of God in your life. Not all these other things that are out there because they will water down, pollute, distort, and that will water down your ability to believe and to receive from God. Listen to this from Matthew chapter 13. I think I want you just to turn there with me as well. Matthew 13. Poke somebody and tell them one word. Matthew 
13. When you found it, say, I found it. Verse 11. This is the Matthew version of the parable of the sower. But in uh, verse 11, he replied, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and he who will have in abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. This is why I speak to them in parables. Everybody say, Speak. Though seeing, they do not see. There's never any vision developing in their heart for the things of God. Though hearing, they do not understand. They do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, you'll ever be hearing but never understanding. You'll ever be seeing but never perceiving, for this people's heart has been calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, they have closed their eyes, otherwise they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I will heal them. I want you to circle that word turn if that's the way it's used in your Bible, or if the word convert is in your Bible, whatever word is there. It literally does mean to convert. What happens is you listen and then you turn in your heart and then whatever corresponding benefit is attached to that particular scripture, that's when you can enjoy that particular benefit. But it involves that you actually have to hear, you have to see, you have to perceive, you have to listen, and then you can turn. Uh, Romans says it like this, you know, how in the world can they hear unless what? Somebody be sent. Um, that there is no preaching or teaching, there's no hearing, and therefore there won't be any salvation. Uh, it's simple, it's profound, but it's also supernatural. Um, you know, hundreds of pastors worked together. They brought Billy Graham into a city, worked for months in advance. An advance team showed up a year before or more and got everybody cooperated and trained. And then all of a sudden, here comes the first night of the crusade. He speaks, George Beverly Shea sings, and then hundreds and thousands of people get saved. Why? All the advance work, all the prayer, all the preparation, everything would mean nothing if what? If the gospel was not preached, because that's what the Bible says is the mechanism that leads to redemption and salvation. They had to hear. And boy, did they hear. That simple truth. He was a master of this. I don't know what he's doing right now in heaven, but maybe he gets a little bit of a rest. I don't know. But um, he preached, and he would set up just how horrible things are, how terrible things are in this world. And then after setting this thing up, like, oh, dear Jesus, you know what's going to happen? He would just switch and say, here's the solution. And who was always the solution? Jesus, from the CEO on down, you know, teachers and laborers, kids, teenagers, college students would respond because they were what? They listened, they heard, and they were converted. Now, those of us that are already born again, watch this, the conversion process does not end its salvation. The conversion process is lifelong. There'll be a day when your conversion is over, but that day's not today. There'll be a day when that process ends. Amen? I don't think we'll stop growing or learning at that point, but as far as being able to tap into what he has for us, we have to continually be converted. Now, I don't know what you need to be turned or converted regarding in some area of your life, but that's the key. There is no turning or converting unless there is listening. Amen? can't change anything unless you're dialed in to what the Word of God actually says. So that said, I want you just to turn to Mark 4 for a moment. 
said, I'm a hearer. Mark chapter 4. I'm going to read this to you from NIV, then to uh, the NLT. Mark 4, 24, consider carefully what you hear. And I have a good amen tonight. He continued with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, what does that mean? NLT helps you understand this a little better. Take heed what you hear. Pay close attention to what you hear. Do what? Pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given, and you will receive even more. Don't pay attention. You'll not have understanding, and you'll lose even what you had. Pay close attention. You listen. You'll understand more, and then you'll be given even more. That's how this scripture works. Even what you have uh, will be compromised if you don't continue to listen. So this whole business of hearing is not a one-time shot. It's not hear until you get saved or hear until God answers a prayer of yours and then sit on your spiritual laurels for the rest of your life. No, hearing is a process that goes on and on and on. Hearing and believing and doing is how we function as believers. Say it, a believing believer. I want you to, to think about Mark 4. How Jesus said that the sower sows the word. Now, how do you understand the devil's not happy about the word being sown in you? Oh, yay, praise the Lord, lost another one. <laughs> He's not thrilled because you're getting turned on to the word of God. So what does he say here happens? Jesus said in verse 13, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows what? The Word. And how many know the Word is incorruptible? How many know the Word always produces? But watch and see how the efficacy of the Word is shut down in this situation. Watch and see how this happens. And I can tell you right now, one of the things the devil will do with people, no matter how far they are down the road spirituality, to try to get them to a place where they're upset, where they're belligerent, where they're offended, to cut you off from the Word that can save your life. Guard your heart like never before. Don't become another spiritual statistic because you, you got yourself all ruffled over something. Amen? You hang around people long enough, somebody's going to bother you. Somebody's going to rub you the wrong way. Well, they didn't shake my hand. They shook my hand too hard. They looked at me the wrong way. Do you know they wouldn't even look at me? It's too hot. It's too cold. There's too many wearing masks. There are not enough people wearing masks. Not enough people vaccinated. There's too many people vaccinated. You know, this will never stop if you don't stop it yourself. Say, I mean, I make up my mind not to be offended. Period. Oh, it's, it's devastatingly terrible when somebody gets to a place of maturity and right on the edge of breakthrough and victory, and here comes the enemy. And I mean, they have, they have refused to swallow his bait year after year, decade after decade, and all of a sudden they just sit up there at the table, pick up that fork, and just shove it down like there's no tomorrow. It's sad. It's sad. 
sad for them, but then the Bible goes on to say also that a root of bitterness will grow up and spring up and defile what? Many. You will never get offended all by yourself. You will never just affect you. I've seen entire families wiped out over what? And the big picture, over nothing. But the devil began to talk, and if you're not careful, I guess you start listening to. Huh? The voice of the word is not the only voice out there. Here comes the clatter, here comes all the white noise, and, and begins to talk to you. And for years, resistant to hear what God said, but just instantly believe whatever the devil tells you. They don't like you. They hurt you. They betrayed you. They should have done this. They should have done that. Oh, my goodness, what a terrible way to live for anybody. But what a horrible way for a word person to live. Turn to somebody and say, you've been taught better. Come on, say it again. I've been taught better. Listen, if you're, if you're going to be you know, hedging on what God has said, for sure don't open up your heart and ears to the devil. When he speaks, what happens? He lies. If his mouth is moving, what's he doing? He's lying. And I mean, for decades, a person would automatically, instantly identify that smelly, smelly devil. Now, all of a sudden, it's like everything he says, they believe, lock, stock, and barrel. So we're going to hear the Lord. We're going to have to turn our ears what? Away. Your Proverbs says, incline your ears where? Bend your ears towards the word, towards the truth. And if I'm bending my ears towards the word, towards the truth, I'm bending my ears what? Away from error. Away from lies. Away from that distortion. So we know the source is the word, but then it says that, uh, you know, seed along the path, uh, birds came and ate it up. He speaks that immediately, what happens? Well, look at your scripture here. As soon as some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown, as soon as they what? As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Write this down. Every single day, you're going to be faced with one, two, or three of these. You're going to be faced with all of these in different forms all the days of your life as a Christian. And first of all, there is an immediate threat to you as a child of God. As soon as you hear the word, there's the enemy trying to pluck it out by causing you not to understand it. How does he do that? He does it with words. He does it with what? He does it with things that are vocalized. Boom. And um, just like that, what was the one word that would have changed your life forever is compromise. Amen? Uh, you have to make up your mind that you're not going to allow them to steal what you just heard. Are you here tonight? Look at the second part of this. That's the immediate threat. The intermediate threat, others like seed sown in marketplaces hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a, time, a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Now, how many are in agreement tonight that both these kinds of people actually heard? Well, watch this. The immediate attempt is to talk you out of the word. The intermediate attempt is to tell you it's not worth the pressure. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, what happens when you receive the word? 
Everything is fixed. Everything is resolved. No, you become a target. Big old bullseye on your chest, on your back, and here comes trouble or persecution, and here comes the voice of the enemy telling you it's not worth the pressure, just turn loose. We see this a lot in Word of Faith circles where people will believe up to a certain point that if it doesn't happen by their artificial deadline or happen the way they think it should, they just drop everything, yielding to another voice. The immediate threat is to immediately talk you out of the word. The intermediate threat is to work on you with pressure and persecution to get you to turn loose of that word. Do you see this? Look at the third round here. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word. What do all three groups of people have in common? It's all about hearing. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. The immediate attempt is to talk you out of the word. Look at somebody and say, thank God that didn't work. The intermediate attempt is to tell you it's not worth all the trouble and the pressure. So you sprang up with great joy. You saw salvation and deliverance and miracles and signs and wonders and all that you could be, do, and have as a child of God. But here came the pressure and here came the persecution to try to push that out of you. And if you survive that, you've got to be aware that there is now not just an immediate or intermediate attempt. There is a long-term attempt. Say this with me, long-term. Say it again, long-term. There's a long-term attempt to get you away from the Word of God. And here's how it works. Very simply, with Mark 4 in mind, the attempt is to choke the Word in your heart and in your life, in the soil. And how does he do it? Sounds that cause worry. I want you to write that down. Sounds that cause worry. A lot of people minimize worry in their life. You shouldn't be doing that. Because the things you heard, the devil couldn't get you with the first threat or the second threat. If you yield to sounds of worry, he's going to get you. He's going to choke out that word. It's not going to produce the way God has designed it to produce. Number two, sounds that deceive. There are deceitful sounds out there. They can push you to become very materialistic or become very carnal in your lifestyle, you know, become very much unspiritual in your outlook or very worldly in your worldview. And they are sounds. Say this to me, they're sounds. Just like there's a sound to the Word of God, there's a sound to things that contradict it. In the third category, sounds that tempt you and me. Now, everybody say long term. Well, Pastor, when's it going to end? Somebody came to Jerry Savelle one time and said, I wish you'd pray for me that I wouldn't be tempted in this area anymore. And so he said, okay, Lord, just kill him right now. Just take him out. Well, I don't want to die. I just want, you know, I don't want to be tempted. Well, that's not possible. As long as you're on this planet, you're going to be subject to the intermediate threat of the enemy trying to talk you out of the word by choking it with sounds of what? Sounds of worry, sounds of deception, and sounds of what? What is it? Sounds of temptation. Say it with me, temptation. Deception. Temptation. Deception. And what? Worry. 
Now, of the three, which one would you think most Christians minimize? That's well, just life. It's just the way it is. No, worry is actually perpetual fear. Worry is faith in the negative. It's faith in destruction. It's faith in things that are going to go contrary to the word of God. But we put up with that. What I'm trying to tell you is that little thing you're putting up with could be the very weed that chokes out the good things that God has for you. And you don't want that to happen. So, yeah, are people worried about health? Yes. Can they be worried about finances? Yes. Can they be worried about family? Yes. Worried about work? There are all kinds of things we can be in worry about, but guess what? We just need to find out what God said and then attack those things. One of the reasons I have such high respect for Brother Savell, of course, to see his story from a paint and body shop man, you know, completely indebted up to his ears and beyond, just started applying the Word of God to see what God has done and uh, has used him all over the world. He would say things like, faith doesn't pretend, faith attacks. Nowhere does it say pretend you're not facing this. But what does it do? It attacks. Say that faith doesn't pretend. It attacks. Do you see that? So you've got this, and I'm, I'm not saying that, that number one won't work on you anymore, because if you get to a lazy place in your Christian life, you could be sitting in a service just like this tonight and everything flying over your head. Even though you've been saved for years and years and years. And I'm not saying number two won't work on you anymore. Where you start believing God and have great joy, and then all of a sudden there comes pressure and persecution. So you say, I can't take this, and you let go of the word on that. But by and large, those of us who've learned, you know, not to let the devil talk us out of things and not to allow the enemy to push us off with persecution and trouble. In fact, there comes a point in time in your walk with God as a word person that you get energized by trouble and persecution. Thank you for your endorsement of what I just said and enthusiasm over that. Yes, you get energized because you know it's working. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, well, that word must be working or the trouble and persecution wouldn't be coming. There comes a time when you say, praise the Lord. Wow, hallelujah, something must be going right. But you've got to train yourself instead of the devil telling you something must be really wrong. Or so-and-so would love you. Everybody would love you. Jesus said, woe unto you when all men... <laughs> Amen. Not everybody's going to like you. Can I give you a tip? The further you go in the things of God, into the Spirit of God, into the Word of God, you're going to see people drop away from you. You'll see people in like precious faith drop from you. Because you're going a path they're not willing to follow at that particular point in time. So I'm not saying that the immediate threat will never get you again. I'm not saying the intermediate threat will never get you again. I'm just simply saying that usually where we're at now, it's more likely over the long haul for someone to get tired and weary. And all of a sudden, here comes the worry. Here comes the deception. Here comes the temptation. And that's the thing that chokes out the word that will sow. But watch this, it all starts with hearing. All three groups of people did what? They heard. You don't even get in the ball game until you've heard. Do you know it's impossible to hit a home run if you don't step in the batter's box? Well, Pastor Art, that's true, but it's also impossible to strike out. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Get rid of your strikeout mentality. I'm not going to strike out. And do you know the greatest hitters in the world, most of them strike out what? 
60 to 70% of the time. And that's if they're a good hitter. Not strike out, but fail to get a hit, I will say. But the point of the matter is that you and I don't even get into the game if we don't hear. And I'm not meaning go to church. I don't mean just have a Bible. I'm not talking about mean being baptized or catechized or, or, you know, taking communion. I'm talking about you're actively hearing consistently throughout your Christian life. Now you're in the game. If you're not hearing, you're not even in the game. Look at somebody and say, put me in coach. Now I'm going to say my, my hearing could use some fine-tuning. Is that true? How many of y'all could use a better hearer? That's the right, that's the right attitude to have. And he'll, he'll honor that thing. He'll help you hear. Um, he'll honor that prayer and allow you to hear at a level you never heard before. So as we get in this and try to apply this to the Sunday morning crowd, how many will pray for me? Let me see those hands again. Because <laughs> um, what we're going to do is we're going to talk specifically about different ways the enemy is distorting the word for the children of God and then how to actually walk in victory in that area, how to, how to actually get rid of that distortion and see a lot of fruit in your life. Amen. The Bible goes on to say in Mark 4, those that hold on to the word, what do they get? 30, 60, and 100 fold was actually sown. So imagine this, uh, my word that I have received from God to work, I'm going to have to protect it. I'm going to have to, you know, do some things to make sure that it's allowed to go through its natural process and preserve, you know, produce in my life what it needs to produce. How many raise your hand and say you're believing God for something in your own life? Amen. It starts with hearing. Say it with me. I hear, I believe, and I do. But I can't do, and I can't believe if I haven't heard. Why? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So when you're in prayer, make sure you're hearing. When you open up your Bible, make sure you're hearing. When you go to Sunday school, make sure you're hearing. When you come to church, make sure what? Make sure you're hearing. Everybody else may be doing whatever they're doing. That's up to them. You can't control what everybody else is doing. But you can just be focused and diligent that when you're under the word, you're going to hear. Why? There's one word from God. Amen. One word from God. I left Chattanooga and came back. I had people tell me, tell me to my face, you're not the same. What happened to you? I was already saved. Watch this. I was already spirit-filled. I was already in the ministry. I was already preaching the uncompromised word of God. How in the world can you go to a meeting, hearken, hear, with an attitude to listen, and come back where people can walk up to you and say, you're not the same? What happened? I'm telling you, it works. Amen? Turn to somebody and say, and you need to change too. Some of y'all were tentative about that, so we're going to try that just one more time. Shout out loud, you need to change too. How does that happen? I'm telling you that there's power in the believing, there's power in the doing, but there is supernatural power in the hearing. How many know that sometimes God needs to do surgery on our souls? 
He does his best work when the word's going forth. Amen. Some of y'all like, I'd rather him not be cutting on this, but amen. Let's give him a big hand clap and thank him tonight for it.